0: Ashley Piltz was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia on September 12, 2007, at three years of age. She went through six months of chemotherapy. Connor Cruz was diagnosed with neuroblastoma on May 15, 2005, at the age of four. He went through four years of chemotherapy. Both families are Christian. Both families prayed that God would heal their child. Both families enlisted many, many other believers to also pray. Both families love God. Today, Ashley is doing well. She loves math and science, baseball. Being a big sister, listening to music, dancing. Connor is dead. Why? Both families were Christian. Both families prayed for healing. Both families enlisted other Christians to pray for healing. Both families know Jesus. Why was one prayer answered and the other not? And what we can't do is give a cliche answer. We need to deal with the reality of the fallen world we are in. So this morning, what I want to try to address is the very real experience that not every prayer gets answered. Let's pray. Father, it seems kind of strange to be asking you to help us understand unanswered prayer by praying. And yet, Lord, this is a reality that every person in here has experienced. Will you help us today to have a biblical understanding and a heart of faith that works through the most difficult times when we don't get an answer that we're asking for? When it seems you are silent? Lord, help us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. Many of us, probably all of us, have had prayers answered. So last week, I told you that my cat got out. We found our cat. Answer to prayer. And we prayed a lot. As a family, as individuals, we prayed a lot to get that cat back. And it was kind of crazy that a lady caught him on a cam from her driveway and immediately called us, and I had, I had already bought a raccoon cage to try to catch the cat because he wasn't coming, and... He was in this wooded area, and we spent all, I mean, just, it was dark, and my daughter and I spent 30 minutes wandering through the wilderness, and we couldn't find him, and eventually we put some wet cat food out, and then we put some wet, a can, in this raccoon trap, and about an hour later, he was there. Some prayers are answered. But here's the first thing that I want all of us to, we know this, but I want to, Hit it home. The universal experience of people is unanswered prayer. Everyone has had it. And I understand that many times in hindsight we want to look back and go, well, maybe God did this or this or this. But in the moment, we have all prayed for something that didn't happen. We've all been in a moment when we wanted something so badly, and we couldn't even sense God in the moment. It's a universal experience. So this is Psalm 13, David. How long, Lord? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord. And you see that a number of times in the Psalms of David. God, why are not you answering my prayer? You see it in this wonderful chapter in the book of Hebrews, sometimes called the Hall of Faith, where the author of Hebrews lists all of these faithful people. And toward the end, He gives this litany of people that conquered kingdoms, that overcame incredible odds. And then in the same verse, he talks about people who were sawn in half, who were shipwrecked and starved and died and were thrown to lions. And yet both of them, both groups, were praying and seeking and asking God for victory. You even see it. Let me tell you how universal this is. You even see it with Jesus. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for one primary thing, that the church would be unified. Now you tell me, is the church today unified? At one point... Jesus is in the garden and he is sweating drops of blood. He's in so much agony. And he's asking God for one thing. Will you take this cup from me? Three times he goes to him. And God does not take that cup from him. Unanswered prayer is a universal experience. Every one of us have it. Every one of us. Right now you may be in it. What do we do with it? How do we handle that? I want to give two ways for us not to handle it. I want to start with, don't do these things. When you are going through these moments and something is very difficult, very challenging, maybe you've been praying over and over again and yet nothing is happening. Don't do this. Number one. If you go look up unanswered prayer online, you will likely get back a whole bunch of responses that say something along the lines of this What's going on in your life that God's not answering the prayer? Is it pride? Is it sin? Is it unforgiveness? What's happening with you that God is not answering that prayer? Go get that right so that then it opens the floodgates and God can respond. Here's the problem with that. Yes, you will see throughout the pages of Scripture, you will see references here and there sprinkled throughout about how pride might stand in the way and unforgiveness might stand in the way. You'll never see this. A checklist of what you need to do so that God can then answer your prayer. As if somehow it's all on you. And here's the flip side. As long as I check all the boxes, God's now obligated to answer my prayer. Okay, Lord, the pride's gone. The unforgiveness is gone. I've done this. I said sorry to this person. I did this. Now it's your turn. It doesn't work that way. Number one, it's really unhealthy. How were you saved? By grace. It was not because you did ABC, got it all right, and now you're good with God. Why would we ever think that once we came into relationship with our Father, that now it's all based on a checklist? Even though we got into it by grace... Moving forward, he wants to make sure everything's right before he'll answer your prayers. And number two, you never can obligate God to anything. God's only obligations are to the things that God says he is going to do. We don't get to obligate God. So number one, when you're going through these times, it is not a bad thing to look at your life. And to go, maybe I do need to practice forgiveness in this area. Maybe I am a really prideful person. I should deal with that. But we should do that anyway. That's not about God answering or not answering a prayer. That's just about living out the gospel of Jesus in discipleship. We should do that anyway. But don't let that become your fixation. Test number one. Number two... This is kind of a a different angle of unanswered answered prayer. And I think we hear this a lot. It'll go something like this. Well, God is answering my prayer, but it's not in my timing. God is answering my prayer, but he's not doing this thing over here that I want. He's actually doing it over here. We have all of these explanations for what we think God is doing. And I believe the reason we give these explanations is for our own comfort. We don't want to sit with the fact that God may just be silent right now. We don't want to sit with the fact that maybe God's not going to heal this person. We'd rather search for some form of explanation that makes sense to us. Now, is it possible... That God is answering your prayer in a way that you're not asking? Absolutely. Is it possible that God's doing something over here while you're asking for this thing over here? Of course it is. But we don't know. And do you know what happens when you start focusing on all of the explanations and trying to figure it out? Where does your focus go away from? Trusting God through your circumstance. Instead, you start to put faith in signs. You start to put faith in, well, maybe it's this thing. Let God be God and do what David did and keep going, God, how long? I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm not going to give up. Is it possible that God answers the prayers in ways we're not paying attention? Of course it is. But that shouldn't be the focus. So, when you have unanswered prayer in your life, two things not to do. Don't create the checklist of all the sins in your life that are stopping God from answering the prayer. And I know that all of us have a tendency. If you have never once thought to yourself, maybe it's because of that bad thing that I did, you're probably not human. We've all had moments where we wonder, don't go down that path. But also don't go down the path of, well, no, God is really doing it. It's just, I don't know what he's doing. Both of those things, they are way too mechanical. They're not relational. They're allowing us, in the midst of a hard moment with God, to give our explanation for something to hopefully give us a path or something. It's very mechanical. Have you ever used Google Translate? It's a really incredible tool. I mean, it has allowed so many things to happen. It's an incredible tool. However, occasionally, it doesn't get it right. Back in 2017, the Malaysian Defense Ministry decided to publish their entire website in English, and they used Google Translate to do it. It was only up for a couple of hours because they got so many people tweeting about stuff that was on the site. Things like, and none of this is terrible, but they described the dress code as an ethical dress code with no explanation for what that might mean. You must have an ethical dress code. They also described ethical clothing as things that were not party-going or picnic-going. <laughs> so you couldn't go to a party or a picnic, and that would be ethical clothing. And then along with that, if you decided that you were going to wear unethical clothing on a Thursday, it would then be considered mongoose fight day. <laughs> with no explanation for what that means either. Mongoose fight day. And when it described what women were to wear, it was clothing that did not poke the eye. (laughs) Now, all of this made sense before it got translated into English. But here was the problem. It was way too mechanical. It was as if you could just plug one thing into another thing and it would make sense. But what do we all know about language? It doesn't work like that. Neither does our relationship to God. Number one thing about unanswered prayer, you're in a relationship with your father. We approach it as a relationship. It's not put one thing in and the next thing comes out. Just give me this explanation and it explains everything there is there. It is God I hurt. God I I need this job and I'm not getting it. God, I need this person to be healed. God, I need this person to be saved. God, and I'm not even hearing anything from you. So what do we do? A better way forward. Number one, recognize we live in a fallen world. And guess what? Your expectation should be And this is going to sound a little bit callous. I don't mean it that way. People get sick and die. People are born into terrible poverty. People are born with physical and mental limitations. People throughout our world choose evil. And their choices impact other people. That is the nature of a fallen world. We should expect that to be what we experience. Instead of, oh my gosh, why did you not change this? Why did that evil happen? We should be going, that is actually what happens in a fallen world. It doesn't mean we like it or we just go, ah, no big deal. But we should not be shocked by it. We should actually have as our expectation, evil happens In a fallen world. And it happened all the way back in the beginning of the scriptures. From the moment they eat of the tree, death comes in. Sickness comes in. From a literary standpoint, the end of Genesis chapter 2, the last part of it is that they are naked and they feel no shame. And as you move into Genesis chapter 3 and they eat of the tree... The phrase you get is now they are naked, but they are ashamed. They understand shame because sin has entered into the world. Brokenness has entered into the world. And we all experience it. One time, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, there's a group of Galileans They were slaughtered by Pilate. Do you think that they did more evil than everybody else? The answer is no. That didn't happen. That terrible, awful thing didn't happen because something was wrong with those Galileans. That is what happens in a fallen world. That is what happens when Pilate, an evil man, chooses to slaughter people. That is what is happening right now in Ukraine. Evil. Because people make evil choices. And here is where trust in our loving Father has to come. That for whatever reason, and and keep this in mind when you think about God, your ways are higher than my ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. We will never, this side of total salvation and redemption, and maybe the other side as well, understand God fully. But this is what God has decided. The best way forward was to let Adam and Eve eat of that tree to let sin come into the world, that God, according to Genesis 1, everything was very good and beautiful. That word good in Hebrew, it doesn't describe a moral quality. It describes that which is exactly what it should be. God created a world, shaped it, formed it, filled it, and made it exactly what he wanted it to be. It was beautiful. And yet... In his divine, omnipotent wisdom, he let sin come into the world. When Jesus comes to save us, you know what he didn't do? Snap his fingers as if he were Iron Man and could make everything go away. Instead, he came right into our darkness and experienced it. He lived it. He watched his friends suffer. He suffered. God knows our pain. And we have to trust him and his goodness for where he's going with it. Because evil happens. And, and just hear me out, the exception to the rule is when God intervenes and changes the circumstances. Let me ask you how often in your life God has answered a prayer and miraculously changed something. We've all experienced it. But I would like you to compare that to the number of times that he didn't. Go through the scriptures. Do you know there's 20 years between the time God tells Abraham to go and the next time he talks to him? Yes, when Jesus was on this earth and ministering, he was doing an incredible number of miracles. Yes, Elijah and Elisha did an incredible number of miracles. Moses does a few. Most people don't do any. You see, the exception to the rule is that God comes in and goes, I'm going to take this circumstance and completely change it. I'm going to override the natural laws. He can do it. He can do whatever he wants, and he does do it. But it's actually the exception. You know where God's focus is? It's not in changing our circumstances, it's in changing us. God's answer to a fallen world, He called the Israelites a nation of priests. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean that the whole nation of Israel was supposed to dress up in robes and get up on high horses, look down on everybody because they were holy. Yes, in many cases, that seems to be what they ended up doing. It meant they were supposed to bring Yahweh to the nations. They were supposed to be the intermediary. They were supposed to go to all these other nations and show them God. Because God has always wanted to use his people. He made Adam and Eve in his image. Why? To reflect him to creation. He then said, I'm going to put you in charge over this, and I want you to reflect me to creation. It's always been this way. The Holy Spirit has come in and dwelled us that we might reflect God to the world. God's answer Is not regularly in our day to day lives to just go, I'm gonna fix that, I'm gonna fix that, I'm gonna fix that. It's, I wanna change you. I want you to grow in your love of me, to grow in your faithfulness to me. I want you to be the person that sits with the person who is suffering. I want you to show them love in the midst of their pain. Most of the time, God doesn't just fix the circumstance. So then, a biblical approach to our unanswered prayer is what we see them doing in the Bible. We keep coming to the Lord. Here's what David does in the Psalms. Really, it's two things. In fact, that psalm we read, Psalm 13, when you get to the end of it, here's what David does at the beginning. God, how long? I'm going to keep coming. I'm not going to just look at myself and go, if I just get this, 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 this right, then you're going to answer my prayer. And I'm not going to go, well, I think the Lord's moving over there, so I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I know the world is messed up. So, Lord, you are my hope. And I'm just going to keep coming to you and coming to you and coming to you. And at the end of that psalm, he says, because of your steadfast love. So a biblical response to unanswered prayer, we keep trusting the steadfast love and grace of our incredible Father. And no matter what happens. So yesterday I found out that a, I don't know, I I don't know that I can call her a good friend. I haven't seen her in two years but I think she was a good friend. She was a parishioner of mine in my former church. I spent a lot of time with her and her husband. Aaron spent a lot of time with her. Really incredible people. She passed away yesterday. Somewhat unexpected. um, And and I got the news from another parishioner who forwarded something to me. She passed away. She should not have passed away. In, in In a... world that is not fallen. She was one of the good ones. And I understand, all of us have sin in our lives. I don't mean she was perfect, but she was one of the good ones. She spent her life basically in poverty so that she could travel the world sharing Jesus with people. Like, she was a wonderful woman. There are, forgive me, there are other people that... I can't even say it. You all know what I'm thinking though. Because <laughs> you've thought it too. But the nature of a fallen world is people die. Even the good ones. And what we do, and this is what Aaron and I have been doing. We've been praying for Bart, her husband. Because he's still here. We've been praying for God to be present with him. For God to be his comfort. For God to take him through this moment. For God to use this in his life. Because Church, here's our hope. God doesn't want to fix every little detail of every little moment of every day of our lives right now. What God wants to do, he wants to restore everything. What Jesus came to do is make possible a new heavens and a new earth. A place where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more sickness. A place where there isn't evil. There isn't addiction. There isn't abuse. A place that harkens back to Genesis 1 where everything is as God wants it to be. That's what he's doing. But between now and then, he calls his people not to make excuses, not to give up, but to do something like this. So we knew Connor. Because our daughter was getting chemotherapy the same time Connor Cruz was at the same place. Lots of children were getting chemotherapy when our daughter was getting chemotherapy. And the majority of them did not survive. Our daughter did. Not because of any goodness in us, but because of the grace of God. But after Connor passed away, His mom wrote this. You taught me about faith and loving your heavenly father. You never once questioned God's goodness during this journey. This little boy, four years of chemotherapy, thousands of surgeries, multiple... He went to four different major hospitals one of them out of the country trying to find healing. And yet, the mom writes of Connor, you never once questions God's goodness. She keeps going. You, speaking of her son, you always expected healing to come. You knew your heavenly father would never leave you, nor forsake you. You wanted to tell the world about Jesus. Your words of encouragement to others battling cancer were... Have courage and believe in Jesus. That's what this little five-year-old was saying to others who are battling cancer. That says it all. That's what you did. You walked your talk. And then she says this. I know that we have all said you lost your battle with cancer last Friday. But as I think about it, I realize you actually won the battle. We often think it is a tragedy when one so young passes away, but maybe we are looking at this all wrong. I think your reward, my sweet son, for your faithful, brave battle is that you are now dancing on golden streets in heaven, holding the hand of Jesus. You have shed the pain and struggles that accompany a life on this earth, and you are now rejoicing with the angels and feeling love like you have never known. How can that be any kind of lost battle? Well done, my good and faithful son. We love you and we will miss you. Enjoy your well-earned reward, always believing. Joy, her name is Joy Cruz. They would go on to form a foundation that is still working today to fight childhood cancer that has helped hundreds of kids. They never gave up. They kept believing. They kept moving forward. That's what we're called to as believers, as hard as it is. You will experience unanswered prayer. Trust in the goodness of God and keep coming to your Father and sit with those who are struggling because the time is coming when there will be no more struggles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the beauty of life. Even though there are so many things we do not understand, so many things that cause us pain, Lord, please help us to be a people that constantly lean into you and trust you with all our hearts through everything we go through. And it's in Jesus' holy name. Amen.